Burning Kentucky has already picked up several awards on the film festival circuit, including Best Picture and Best Actress. For Lexington native Bethany Brooke Anderson, the film's writer, producer, and director, having her film premiere at home was better than any script she could have written. On this episode of Uniquely Kentucky, Bethany talks about her passion project that took seven years to complete and about being a woman carving her own path in the world of independent films and Hollywood. From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpott. Bethany Brooke Anderson, you have been the talk around the art scene in Kentucky and especially Lexington the last few weeks with your film, Burning Kentucky. Welcome to Uniquely Kentucky. Wow, thank you. <laughs> you are really on a roll right now. This film, for folks who may not be familiar with it, Burning Kentucky, it's your baby. It's a labor of love. It took you about seven years to finally get it shot and completed. You are the writer, the producer, and the director. Bethany, what is it like to finally put your baby, if you will, out there into the world? Um, it has been the hardest thing I've ever done, making this indie film. And when I decided to do it about seven years ago, I had no idea the undertaking um, and how many years it would take and how many people we would pull in. Um, and it's been worth it now. <laughs> when we premiered it at the beginning of the year, we took it to several different festivals, and we started winning awards for the film, um, and that was completely unexpected, and people started gravitating towards the content of the movie, um, and then we brought it home to Kentucky, and that week that we started premiering it in Kentucky, um, the response was unbelievable because the movie was made for Kentuckians by Kentuckians and um, they resonated with the content in a way that I never expected. And so all of the hard labor that we went through and all the doubts and all the no's, it all just, um, it healed my heart seeing everything um, be appreciated and loved the way that it has. It's been truly incredible. For people that maybe didn't get a chance to see Burning Kentucky when it premiered in Louisville and also here in Lexington, how would you describe this film to folks? Because let's be honest, it's a little heavy in some places. It's a little bit dark, but I do know that there's a little bit of humor in it as well. So how would you describe it for folks? Well, it's a very cinematic, um, emotional uh, folklore, modern-day folklore drama uh, that takes place in Appalachia, and um, it's beautiful to watch, and it features the most beautiful landscapes in Kentucky, um, but it also deals with real uh, family drama and relationships and heartache and addiction and corrupt law and, um, in some cases, violence. And so we tackle a lot of, of hard topics. Um, in it's, we like to say that it's painted in a beautiful brush of Kentucky, though we're tackling some really hard things. And of course, we have to add some moments of, of humor in there um, to kind of lighten things up a little bit on the journey. But it's, it's, um, it's a really powerful piece. Bethany, you are a Lexington native, and I know Kentucky runs through your veins. You have deep roots here. But where did this idea for the setting of this film, you know, it's set in Appalachia. 
Where did that come from? Was this something that you grew up around? Well, when I was growing up, I was actually homeschooled in Kentucky, and my though I grew up in Lexington, my family always dreamt of going back to Appalachia, where my father's um, family roots were, and um, and living off the land and being self-sustained. And so I kind of always had this magical idea about Appalachia, that it was kind of like the promised land. Um, and then when I was a theater major at the University of Kentucky, I um, was cast in a role in a play called The Hurting Part, which was Silas House, uh, a local Kentucky novelist, his first play. And I premiered the role of his mother, and it was all about um, a story that happened in Appalachia. And so me and another Kentuckian, um, Derek Jade Tiller, who's an actress in our film as well, we were both in the play together, and we started kind of connecting to our Appalachian roots and, and studying the world, and I just kind of fell in love with it more. And then um, I moved to Los Angeles in 2008, and I was here and finding my voice as an artist and a filmmaker, and I knew that I just wanted to tell my story and I wanted to represent um, the state of Kentucky in a way that I don't feel like outsiders um, have the grasp of doing. Um, and I, I think that the best stories are told when there are voices. So I started writing the story and uh, kept going back home and, and going back to Appalachia and meeting with people. And the story changed over the years. The more people I met, I drove over 50,000 miles through the small towns of Kentucky um, in, in the process of making this movie and, and met with farmers and, and state representatives and people of all ages and just really connected to the heart of Kentucky. And that's where I feel like the story kind of blossomed and, and changed and became what it is. When I first met you and you told me that number about those 50,000 some miles that you drove across the state, I thought, wow, you have really put in the mileage and that is getting to know people. But Bethany, I think it's the stats that really ring true with this film. 75% of the cast and crew are from Kentucky. 80% of the funding for this film came from within the state. And then 90% of it was actually shot here. So I think that that's really impressive about a movie and a film that you wanted to capture so much of the essence of this state in it and put it on the big screen. I feel like we're the first movie of our size um, to be so purely Kentucky-made. Um, not only was the movie funded and made by Kentuckians, but we also partnered with businesses in Kentucky that we and, and also charities in Kentucky that we felt enhanced the community. Um, my goal was always not to finish quickly, obviously, but to do it in a way that it um, was purely our story um, from top to bottom. And then also to bring some of my resources from Los Angeles and, and um, incredible, some incredible lead actors and beautiful cameras and allow and employ Kentucky artists that were creating really incredible work on their own. Um, I felt like a lot of my peers in Los Angeles were talking a lot about creative work and not really creating work. 
and I had a lot of Kentucky artists that were just always producing incredible things and maybe didn't have the resources to put them in the places where people could see them. Um, so I wanted to give opportunities to Kentuckians, but more than anything, they gave to me. Mm. We had uh, police officers shut down roads and their wives bring us lemonade and and we were just taken care of everywhere we went. And that's what's so beautiful about the state of Kentucky is, is they took care of us. When you think back about penning the first words of Burning Kentucky, and then you think to where you are now, what's it like to finally have this finished product, not only to be finished, but one that has won awards and has gotten some really high praise? Um, I feel like I've gone through a birth. <laughs> um, I, there was so many lows, and I, and I tried to express this to everyone on any journey, whether they're artists or not. It's, um, it was never easy, not one leg of it. It still isn't. Um, it's, it's all been harder than I thought, and um, a lot of times it was me pulling a train through the mud. Um, and so things that are worthwhile, um, they happen on the other end of a lot of no's and a lot of challenges and um, a lot of heartache sometimes. Um, but when I sat in the Kentucky Theater um, with 800 mm -hmm. of my people and watched this movie and watched them cry and laugh and, and stand in ovation, um, it, it was everything I ever hoped it would be. You told me that you had always secretly dreamed of seeing your name up there on the Kentucky Theater marquee. And I have to imagine, Bethany, that that in itself was very special to stand back, be able to see all of those letters spelling out Bethany Brooke Anderson up on that marquee. Yeah, I'm emotional just even thinking about it. Um, first, I, you know, everyone has their dream. And I think that for me, it was always about making um, the people around me, the people that I loved the most, proud, um, more so than moving off to L.A. and becoming famous or, or whatever. I really just wanted to make the people that invested in me, my teachers in school and my parents and my best friends, um, I wanted to make them proud. Um, and so I feel like bringing it home and, and giving – that night to everyone where we could celebrate it together um, was super, super special. Bethany, did you first move out to L.A. with the acting bug, thinking maybe that's where life was going to take you? Yeah, so when I was, when I was growing up homeschooled, it was a very creative environment, and um, I wanted to be a storyteller. I didn't really know what that entailed. Um, and then when I was in high school, I got into acting and um, had some incredible teachers at Tate's Creek that really inspired me. And, um, and then when I went to the University of Kentucky, I studied theater. So I felt like the avenue to storytell was acting. And so when I moved to Los Angeles for the first time, that's what I began to pursue. Um, and every set that I was on, every indie film, I, I felt <laughs> uninspired in that role. Um, I didn't want to be a vessel for other people's stories. I wanted to tell my story. Um, and I worked under a female director named Karen Moncrief. When I first moved here, I worked as her assistant. And I watched her 
um, just be this incredible female director and and tell these stories and and you know run the show and and um, put her vision into uh, fruition. And so it inspired me, and I and I don't think I ever thought that I could um, be the director or be the writer. And so when that door was open for me and someone just told me that I could, um, I really took it and ran. And I and I realized that I was giving myself a job that nobody else would probably give me. Um, and then that's why it would be such hard work. So I um, I then got a bug for it and now I now I want to write and direct and, and keep putting my own stories um, out there. What I think is so great about you, Bethany, is that you're now empowering the next generation for other young women, especially here in Kentucky, when I think many of them probably would never think something like this would be possible, especially when you hear a crazy number of some 4% of last year's top 100 grossing films were directed by women. You know, a lot of little girls have the dream that you did, um, and they just don't know how to make it happen, but they see someone in you, and I would think that that's got to mean a lot to you that now you can help them sort of carve out their own path. Um, thank you for saying that because um, that is the most rewarding part. I have received um, hundreds of messages from from girls and, and women um, that that are inspired and, and want to talk to me, and my door is always open for that. Um, because I was lucky enough to have women do that for me, and it's such a, I feel so honored to be a female in, in the film industry during this time, and just a woman um, during this time, uh, because our voices are important, and they're needed, and um, it's our time to um, tell the truth and tell our stories and to empower each other. And I do feel like when I moved to Los Angeles almost 12 years ago, um, that the environment between women was different. It was harder and, and more competitive. And, and now we're learning and seeing um, how much we gain out of supporting and loving each other. And so that is one of my biggest goals is is to be an advocate for other females um, and to lift them up and to give them opportunities. Um, and that's what I'll do with my next film as well. Your lead actress in Burning, Kentucky, Emily Deer, is a lovely gal, also from here in Lexington. What is it like to sit back and watch someone like her sort of grow into a role. She's someone who had never acted before, and now you see her on the big screen, but you're also watching to see where her career might take her. Uh, that's also been just super wonderful. When Emily came into audition for me for the first time, she was 14, and uh, we auditioned over 300 people, and she just, I just knew that she was she was the one. Um, and to take her on to set for the first time and see how nervous she was, um, especially working with all the other seasoned actors. And then really what happened with Emily and I is we just became sisters. Aww. And we just bonded in a very deep way. And 
she was there from the beginning and she's there now, her and I will, will be the only ones to uh, do our panel at our next festival in Vail. Um, and her mother, Natalie, is our executive producer. And just the dear family um, has been there for me. I tell myself every day how lucky I am to have them. And Emily growing up um, on set, and to watch her the second time we shot um, in 2017, um, really come into her own and, and, you know, people coming in from L.A., but we were coming to her home and she just seemed so empowered and, um, and we watched her grow up and now she's, you know, this college student that's flourishing and I just love her. She's just super talented and I always hoped that she would pursue acting um, full time after this and, and she, you know, has now decided that that's something that she wants to do because she's just ridiculously talented and um, and made for this. Bethany, you talk about being homeschooled and you talk a lot about being a really imaginative child and just loving stories. I'm curious, do you remember that one time that you heard a story that it really impacted you or spurred you down this road of where you're at now with writing, directing, producing? Oh, I, I don't. I don't know if it was one story so much as it was um, the people around me being storytellers. Um, I think that Kentuckians have such a natural storytelling ability. Um, and so that was so often um, the entertainment uh, was, was telling stories to each other and hearing stories from, um, you know, our elders. And um, even during the production of uh, the early production, early stages of making this movie, our crew traveled to um, to Hazard, Kentucky, uh, with uh, with our friend Dara Tiller, who's from Hazard, and we sat around as a 78 year old woman um, told us incredible, hilarious, sometimes dirty <laughs> stories, and we all, as grown ups, sat around her feet in the living room and just listened and hung on every word for hours. Um, and there's something that is so special about that that you can't get from your phone or or the TV. Um, it's like the human connection of storytelling. And, and that's just always inspired me. I feel like that's just always been instilled in me since I was a little kid. Um, and it's, it's not just one story. It's, it's, it's all the stories. What is next for you? I mean, you have worked so hard and so long to get Burning Kentucky out into the world. And we certainly don't want to forget about that right away, but there has to be something next, something that you're working on right now. It was really important that for me that my next project um, be a true story that I felt like really needed to be heard. Um, I think that that's um, where we are in um, the industry and where we are in our time where uh, money spent on movies should be spent in a way that changes the world and enlightens us. Um, so I was lucky enough to have a dear friend named Shan Mobley, who is from Corbin, Kentucky, and she's an actress, and she's living in New York, and she told me about a story that um, happened in Corbin, Kentucky in the 40s. Um, it's a children's home called the Galilean Children's Home, and um, there was a memoir. The, a man moved to Corbin and started a children's home and brought in the Hatfield and McCoy kids and um, it's this really powerful story about a home that, that grew and kind of crumbled under 
abuse and all these allegations, and there was rumors um, for many years that kind of circulated. Um, and the one real daughter of the man who ran the orphanage wrote her memoir. Hmm. It's called 90 Brothers and Sisters. And we found that after we read the memoir and fell in love with it that she was still alive, living in Holland, Michigan. And we went to meet her, and she told us all the truth of what happened hmm. in that orphanage. Um, and we optioned that story, and we've actually just finished um, writing that story. Uh, so that will be our next movie, and we hope to bring it to Corbin, Kentucky, wow. and we hope to um, bring more Kentuckians in on that and tell this story that I think Kentuckians for generations and generations um, have been wondering about the truth of it. So we're going to tell that truth. You know, folks assume that L.A. films, shooting movies, it's all really glamorous work, but I know that it's hard and that there are a lot of obstacles. My goodness, you drove 50,000 miles across the state. Anything funny or just odd happen along the way that you can share? <laughs> oh, gosh, there, there's there's countless funny things. Um, one of them that's that stands out is uh, a prank that we pulled on one of our uh, L.A. <laughs> girls. Uh, when she came into town and we were still doing pre-production, we were driving around Harlan, Kentucky, um, and we had just met with the police officers, and um, there was a certain holler that we wanted to drive down, and they had warned us not to very specifically, and so she was well aware that there was places in Appalachia that you just weren't supposed sure. to go. Um, and we had a friend <laughs> in a place kind of scare her. Uh, we brought her to a remote location <laughs> and, and played a prank and had some people come out that were scary, but they were actually our friends. Um, and it was nice to just kind of jar the L.A. people up a little bit. Um, but really, everybody that was there was super wonderful and, and welcoming, almost to a point. Um, we, had, we had fans before we even started uh, shooting the movie, and one night at 2 a.m. we had a bunch of people drive through our set shirtless oh <laughs> on four-wheelers screaming, Burn in Kentucky! And we were just like, hey, hey guys, just, just smile and wave. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, it, it's funny because it's the, whole, the whole process is, has been super humbling. There's nothing about it um, that isn't humbling. Um, and, and Kentuckians are just fun, and we just had an incredible time uh, shooting and, and allowing the locals to be a part of it. Did you ever worry, or was it even a concern, that some would watch this film, Burning Kentucky, and they would think, oh, that's exactly what Kentucky is like to a T? Um, or was it something that you felt very passionate about and you thought, this is the way that I have to portray it, this is the way it has to be? Um, my, my biggest concern was um, making sure that people loved Kentucky more after watching the movie. Regardless, this is not every Kentuckian story. Um, and we also show the gamut of, of all different lifestyles in Kentucky. It's not just, not just one. And there are, there are all different life. As a girl who grew up in Lexington and also had roots in Appalachia, um, you know, there's, there's all types of people in, in Kentucky. And and we tend to, sh to show it all because it's the truth. Um, and all I wanted to do was have outsiders love Kentucky more and have people from Kentucky be proud of what we showed 
And I think that that's something that we accomplished. And I, I felt that um, for the first time after we showed it in Kentucky. And, you know, I was very fearful because so many people have come in from Hollywood and, and told Kentucky stories or, or, you know, talked about the region in a certain way. Um, and I was still tackling things like, like addiction. Um, and so it was hard to tackle those topics and, and make sure that it had, like, an authentic voice. Addiction is something that people deal with all over the country and world. Um, so I don't feel like some of the things um, were specifically Kentucky, but it does take place in Kentucky. Sure. Um, so I felt like I felt like we we did that justice, and that was a huge concern for me. Bethany, people may have missed the premiere in Louisville. They may not have gotten into the premiere here in Lexington. So where are folks going to be able to finally see Burning Kentucky? We're still actually on our festival circuit, okay. so we'll be in Vail next. But the film has sold, um, so we will have a release. Um, we do believe it's going to be back in theaters in Kentucky, so everyone can stay posted okay. on that on our Facebook page. Um, and then eventually you'll be able to probably sit on your living room couch and watch it on Netflix. Is that something, Bethany, that as an indie film director, writer, producer, that you kind of hold your breath on hoping that it gets picked up? or that someone, you know, takes it and you can stream the movie out? Or is that something that you really even care about and instead you would just rather have its own identity as this indie film? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I want as many people to be able to lay eyes on it as humanly possible. Um, that's always, that's always a, a goal as a filmmaker. This, this is my passion. I'm also lucky enough that my passion is my job. Um, and so for all of the hardworking Kentuckians that put time and money and sweat and tears into this project, uh, we want the world to see it and the world to love it. Um, and it's still very much an indie film where we hope that once it is released that Kentuckians will tell their friends. We do know that it's going to be um, a Kentucky cult movie where <laughs> people in Kentucky love it and cherish it more than anybody else. Um, so as an indie film, we rely on, on that support, um, but we're doing the best on our end to make sure that it's accessible to everyone who wants to see it. Bethany, you have chosen to not only write a film about Kentucky, but you chose to bring that film home, not only to shoot it and produce it here, but you made sure that it premiered here as well. One of the things that I always ask my guests, obviously we call this podcast Uniquely Kentucky. So I want to know from someone like you that is a Kentucky native and has roots that run really deep here, what do you think makes us so unique? I think Kentuckians are super resourceful. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I loved making an indie film with Kentuckians because they're so self-sustained and, and confident and and resourceful. So, and and storytellers and create. I mean, I could go on and on. But I found that <laughs> the women that were on my set that were Kentuckians that were pulling these creativity, these these incredible things out of nothing. Um, that's what I admire most is that it's it's our ability to to be self-sustained and um, to be resourceful. 
and and we're fighters. We are, and folks write their own path just as you have done. Bethany, if people want to keep up with Burning Kentucky, they want to know if it's coming to a theater near them or they want to know what's next with it, where's the best place for folks to keep up with that kind of information? Our Facebook um, under Burning Kentucky is super active. Um, it always has been. We have tons of fans and we keep everybody updated there on a weekly basis. Bethany Brooke Anderson, she is the writer, producer, and director behind Burning Kentucky. If it comes to a theater near you, you should definitely go and check it out. Thanks for listening to another episode of Uniquely Kentucky. Until next time, I'll see you on the news on WKYT.